So yesterday I thought I'd shot my last bolt as I uh, fired for the sun and saw my arrow burning in flames. And today I've got to shoot beyond the sun. But actually, it's much easier because it's impossible. <laughs> I cannot really uh, enter into the, the heart of the topic. All I can do is walk round it, hopefully in a way that will help uh, some of you to experience more fully what is the, the real topic. So I'm, I'm talking, of course, about the, the samadhi that ensues once one dissolves um, or receives uh, the essence of Manjugosha into one's heart. I remember when I learnt that practice for the first time from uh, Bhante on that seminar in 1977 where Abhaya and uh, Sagramati and somebody else was there. And um, uh, I, I knew very little about the sadhana at all. I knew the figure, of course, but I'd, I think Bhante had led through the, the, the sadhana in abbreviated form at one of the uh, order conventions, but I didn't really relate to it. Anyway, I, uh, uh, in the evening, after the seminar had been proceeding during the day and we got some way into the, the text, uh, we were led through the sadhana by Bhante in the small shrine room at the front of Padmaloka. And uh, when we got to that point, when the, the ball of light that is the condensed essence of uh, Manjugosha entered into one's heart, Bhante said something like, now, just sit. I don't think at that time he said much more than that. Um, later he said more about the significance of it and so on. But uh, something really quite extraordinary happened to me at that time. I was taken over by something which... I was completely not expecting. I didn't know to expect it. Uh, there hadn't been, as I remember it, a priming of, of what was to happen. But something happened that had nothing to do with me that I did not try to get and that just, as I say, took me over. That's the best way I can describe it. And I felt... Uh, a wonderful sense of peace, of harmony, of um, completeness, of nothing to do, nothing to, uh, nowhere to go, nothing to uh, strive for. This is back reading, uh, uh, whatever it is, almost 40 years. But uh, it was something of that kind, uh, a sense that Everything was as it was. I'd seen what needed to be seen, at least for a few microseconds. Uh, I, uh, I dwelt in that state, and uh, it, it was a palpable sort of energy that uh, invaded me, so to speak, that took me over. And... Uh, a wonderful, remarkable 
experience, which fortunately has remained a consistent, um, not that I experience it every time, but an, a cons an experience that consistently comes back to me. And odd, it's an experience that even though sometimes I expect it, the expectation doesn't spoil it. You know, often when you want an experience, uh, then the, the expectation stops the experience. But somehow or other, it, it, uh, it um, knocks the ground from under my expecting feet. So uh, Bante talked about it a little bit later, and uh, pretty much what he said was that it was a free gift, um, a bonus offer. Uh, you get a sadhana and a free gift, uh, a samadhi um, that is is uh, um, not not you don't have to pay for. Uh, um, that's not in a way even worked for. It's something that, in some very mysterious way, the sadhana gives you. Um, so I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about the theory of that. Uh, what can I do but explain the theory? Um, the, the reality defies theory. But um, you can see in the, 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 the structure of the sadhana, a gradual um, uh, deepening connection with Manjugosha, a deepening even identification with Manjugosha. Um, we've done all those preliminaries, uh, stored up uh, a powerful reverence, uh, you've um, uh, felt the universe alive and yourself part of it in solidarity with it. Um, you've, uh, you've disabused yourself of your false constructions of reality and you've uh, uh, um, trained yourself to see things in the Maya way as appearing without... Uh, a solid something there, but without obstructing uh, the causal process, so to speak, the conditioned arising. You've trained yourself in that, well, I talked about it as a sort of supra-aesthetic uh, mode of experience. It's aesthetic, but beyond aesthetic in the normal sense that we think of it. The aesthetic is the, the, uh, the pathway up to those heights. Uh, but it is akin to, well, it's not just akin to, it is the, 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 the child of uh, that kind of aesthetic experience. So we, we prepared ourselves uh, very, very fully. And then we try to, uh, setting aside all thought, setting aside all ideas, uh, we try to open ourselves to the images. We tried to explore this yesterday. And let the... the not merely the, the beauty of the images and the, the power of the images, but the meaning contained in the images speak to us uh, without rational thought, without trying to parse them and analyze them and define them, just allowing the meaning to speak directly to us. And uh, then, of course, we go through this drama uh, you know, I'm assuming up till now we've, we've, we've uh, brought Manjugosha before us. We've called him um, by the light rays of our own body, speech and mind and our own 
Manjugosha potentiality. That's why I see that, the, the D in your own heart. It's your own potentiality for wisdom. If you didn't have that potentiality, you couldn't see Manjugosha. If Manjugosha was not a potentiality of your own, uh, of your own uh, consciousness, well, you couldn't ever connect with him. So the D, to me, indicates that. So you called Manjugosha to you, and, or rather, you've invited Manjugosha, and he delightedly appears. And in fact, we, we, we saw that you could say, he's just been there waiting for you to see him. Uh, just as in the story I told of Asanga, I said Avalokiteshvara, by the way, it's Maitreya, of course. Sorry, I meant to correct that earlier. Anyway, um, uh, Manjugosha has been waiting. You, you, uh, you invite him, you invoke him. Your, your sincere reverence and your uh, pulling away, your cutting away the, uh, uh, your, um, your false construction of reality allows you to see him. I think of it like that. Not that he appears, but it's more like... Uh, you have got to a point where uh, you are able to see him. And uh, so it's already communication, a very much communication, because your, uh, your reverence, which you've directed to him, he's responded to, so to speak, uh, by his appearance. And then you're let into a, a really profound uh, uh, transcendental drama. Uh, you see Manjugosha himself do what you've done, um, which uh, already creates a, a wonderful sort of resonance between you and he. You see him reverencing, just as you've reverenced him. And uh, his reverence uh, um, uh, reveals the mandala of the five Buddhas. And uh, um, it's a wonderful feature of the, the sadhana. I, I, I have and at times just spent weeks and weeks and weeks just focusing on the mandala uh, and just going round the mandala uh, figure by figure and symbol by symbol and opening up to every aspect of it. We've got a, 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 an unending feast in this sadhana. So Manjugosha invokes the, uh, the five Buddhas and they consecrate him with the uh, Jnana Amrita. They make him into a king. They make him into a, a, a crown prince uh, by uh, uh, pouring the charism, uh, the holy uh, oil in, uh, you know, in the, in the uh, Western ceremony of, of uh, crowning of a, of, a, of a king or queen, uh, the holy oil is poured onto the top of the head, which uh, it's, in, in the English tradition anyway, it's a, it's a sacrament which, as it were, endows the ordinary mortal with kingship or queenship. Uh, so we're evoking that archetype, very profound archetype. But in this case, of course, the consecration consists in uh, uh, the endowment with the ultimate uh, wisdoms, the jnanas, the five jnanas, which little drama is played out for our benefit. 
because mind you, Gosha is pure from the start, <laughs> and arrived at, and arrived at the end of the ten boobies. But it sort of played out uh, for our delight and education, a bit as uh, the Lalita Vistara um, presents the Buddha as uh, taking uh, rebirth and going through the whole drama of his life and achieving enlightenment as a, 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 a lila, as a sport, a game, for our benefit, so that we can understand. We couldn't understand the pure transcendental character of the Buddha. So it has to be played out. So again, this is played out in the mythic drama before us. And the... Uh, um, obscurations of our vision are purged. Uh, they're cleared away and we see Manjugosha and Yanasattva. So they're coming closer and closer and closer. Um, you know, before the, the consecration, if you like, it, it, he's, um, he's still very much um, a figure of our imagination. But after the consecration, at least in the mythic drama, uh, he becomes Manjugosha Jnana Sattva, uh, not merely the Samaya Sattva, but the Jnana Sattva, uh, the, the very embodiment of, uh, of transcendental wisdom. And uh, then he communicates with us the beam of light coming from the D in his heart, the D in our heart, with the, the letters, the syllables of the mantra, the syllables of the stuti pouring from his heart into our heart. And there's that um, strange element of it that best not to think about, but the, the stuti which is in praise of him is coming from him. And, and that is, my own experience of that, is that it's sort of breaking down the barriers between us. Uh, and it's making me more and more purely receptive to him. Even his praise is coming from him, if you see what I mean. Uh, so that, um, in a certain sense, I'm beginning to cross the boundary between him and me. And uh, the text says that um, as a result of those rays of light that are uh, clearer than the light, brighter than the light that makes it day, uh, that the lotus of our knowledge and kindness achieve full bloom. So that uh, by Manjugosha's communication with us through the medium of that, that uh, um, blindingly bright ray, uh, we ourselves are being lifted up to his level. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that everybody who's done this has some experience of this that simply by dwelling on Manjugosha and having Manjugosha pouring his, uh, his, um, his mantra and the, 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 the stuti into your heart, uh, you yourself become more and more Manjugosha-like. It, it, it's just the principle of communication, uh, which takes place in any communication. When you into, enter into communication with somebody, when you enter into real communication with them, not just shouting at them, even then perhaps, uh, but when you, when you enter into real awareness of another person, something of them is communicated to you. 
something of their, their nature is communicated to you if you're sensitive to it and allow it to touch you. I don't, I don't know whether you experience this. Sometimes if I've been talking to someone, I come away um, with some of their mannerisms or some of their thought patterns. And uh, I used to think of this as a, a, a terrible uh, uh, flaw in my personality uh, that I was um, <laughs> uh, had to watch out, otherwise I'd become a demonic um, possession. Um, but actually, I think it's what's necessary if you're to communicate. Um, I've just been reading a, a, a delightful Irish novel. Uh, I've got an Irish face at the moment, a, a modern Irish novel. And he's got a voice, you know, an Irish voice, descendant of, of James Joyce. And uh, uh, that voice has been uh, speaking in my mind, even as I was thinking what I was going to say. I even had a slight Irish accent. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not inflicting it upon you because it's a terrible one. But um, the, the, the voice is internalised because communication can't take place unless you take the other person into you. <coughs> uh, and... Uh, if it's genuine communication, there's an exchange of selves, even to the point at which there's a loss of selves or a mingling of selves. Um, and, and you come away, in a way, neither yourself nor the other person. Um, and if you're in communication with a Kalyanamitra, with uh, somebody who's unequivocally uh, more awake than you are, uh, more... Uh, um, more wise than you are, well, there's a very definite lifting up of yourself. I've experienced this a thousand times, a million times with Bhante. Um, you know, I always, I don't do it so much now, but I used to forget what Bhante was like uh, when I wasn't seeing him. Even if I was seeing him every day, in the intervals between seeing him, I'd sort of bring him down to my level. Um, and... Uh, but what I'd find, if I went to see him, uh, I'd sort of have to open myself up on a, on, a, on a new and higher level. Sometimes I've had the experience of desperately wanting to talk something over with Bante, something that's troubling me, whether something internal or something uh, in, in uh, the world around me. Uh, and uh, I've gone to see Bante, and as I've opened the door and looked across the room, the question's gone. Just gone. <laughs> because it's as if he is the answer. The level from which he's coming is the answer. And uh, by my openness to him, which fortunately I have, um, I'm lifted out of myself into his perspective. And his, on his perspective, the problem doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, well, the problem isn't resolved. Isn't um, is resolved. So, I think that's what's happening with Manjukosha. You're entering into communication with a consciousness that is infinitely greater than your own. Um, that is beyond uh, personality in the ordinary sense, but that is not impersonality. Uh, you remember, Bante has this. Uh, wonderful little disquisition in, in the Three Jewels on uh, um, the uh, on the on, on the conception of of reality in terms of Amitabha, 
and he says that uh, this is not merely a sort of um, a pious myth, but that if we are to uh, think of reality, uh, we've only got a limited range of a possible ways of thinking. We've really only got two broad categories uh, in this respect. We can either think of reality in terms of personality or of impersonality. But the problem with impersonality is that it connotes sub-personality, if you see what I mean. So that when we conceive of reality as impersonal, we, we think of it as a sort of law of nature or, or, or something of that kind, which in a way we are already superior to because we know it and because we are alive. So life, um, uh, in, in the sense of a, 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 um, a, a life of personality, is always greater than impersonality. So we do better to think of reality in personal terms but we have to recognise that that personality is supra-personal. It's, it's beyond our conception of personal, but it's not beneath our conception of personal. So, it's a little bit um, uh, sophistic, but it makes a, an important point. When we're connecting with Manjugosha, we're connecting with a personality, with a person. Um, uh, not a person with lots of foibles and, and, and so forth, as a, as a person uh, but purged of all that makes um, us fallible, a person who is uh, beyond personality, not beneath personality, but a, a personality, a consciousness, an awareness that one can enter into relationship with, into relationship with, not reflection on or thought about, but a living communication with. Uh, and that in that living communication, uh, you, so to speak, as the supplicant, are the receiver of the consciousness of the, um, of the, uh, the personality uh, that transcends your own. Uh, if you do not go in supplication you cannot meet Manjugosha. He cannot appear. You will not see him. He's only there when you reverence him, when you uh, open yourself to him. Only then can he appear. I think this is the meaning of uh, the uh, um, Asanga story with Maitreya. I think that's its, its meaning. Um, is when you are truly open, when you set yourself aside, which is what we do, of course, in saying Om Swabhava Shuddha Sarva Dharmaha and all that, uh, it, it's when you set yourself aside in that way and open yourself in reverence, then Manjugosha can appear and communicate with you. And in communicating with you, uh, you can absorb, imbibe, take on, don't know what the term is, uh, what he is. Uh, you can resonate with it. Um, the, the terminology here is, is defied because in a sense you're going beyond the terminology of that and this. Uh, something else is happening. You're at the 
at the point where that and this are breaking down, which again I think is part of the meaning of the uh, the stuti coming from him, but being your praise. Um, so, if you if you if you are able to enter into the the sadhana, which you will do more and more, which we will do more and more as the years go by, we'll enter into it more fully and wholeheartedly, more openly, um, uh, with greater depth. Um, we will be transformed, at least for a little while, will be sustained for a little while by our contact with Manjugosha. But just as very often um, uh, when I come away from seeing Bante and uh, I, I leave the room and somebody asks me, oh, what, what, what did Bante have to say? I've already come down. Uh, I'm flying on borrowed wings for a little while. And um, um, so that's what happens in the sadhana often. Something is retained. And of course, we're going to talk more about how you can sustain what you gain without grasping onto it and therefore falsifying it. But uh, for a little while, you, you, your, uh, your lotus of uh, um, knowledge and kindness does fully blow and become, reach the rank of Manjugosha, Jnana Sattva. At least for a little while, you dwell there. So, we've already got very, very close, and Manjugosha's consciousness is seeping into our consciousness more and more uh, subtly and deeply. That gentle voice is echoing uh, more and more uh, uh, closely in the caverns of our mind, our heart. And uh, we uh, do, at least for a while at this stage, experience ourselves very much lifted up. Not that we think of ourselves as equal to Manjugosha, because to think of yourself as equal to Manjugosha implies egocentrism, but that you are attaining the rank of Manjugosha Nyanasattva. So at this point you, you supplicate, we'll talk more about some of that tomorrow, because the themes of the, uh, the obscurations are carried through. Um, you supplicate, you ask, uh, you, you, you aspire to, for the, uh, the beams, the, the sunlight of Manju Gosha's uh, presence to uh, uh, um, uh, chase away the, the clouds of Klesha uh, uh, and Nyea, and you hope that um, um, uh, wisdom will shine within you so that you can understand the scriptures, so you can understand the commentaries, you can understand the tradition. Very interesting. You, you ask for the wisdom to understand the teachings, which is an interesting sort of angle on, in, 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 the, in the sadhana. It has a very definite purpose in this way. I can't remember that I mentioned this, but uh, uh, anyway, I'll mention it again, whether I have or haven't. But Bante was doing this sadhana when he was writing The Three Jewels. And he said that very often, he'd, uh, in, in writing The Three Jewels, he'd be trying to put together um, 
a, a sort of unitary perspective on the Dhamma, uh, which is really the foundation for our movement. In the, in the survey and the Three Jewels, Bhante is trying to have a perspective or present a perspective on the whole Buddhist tradition, which is not sectarian, uh, but, uh, and shows that the, the unity of all the traditions in a perspective that uh, is drawn uh, to some extent from all of them. Uh, and it's a very lofty level of teaching. I think the Three Jewels is, is a very, very uh, powerful work. Bante told me that he thought that it was at a higher level of teaching than the survey. It's multivalent. It sort of points in all sorts of different directions at once. But he said that in, in you know, and you can imagine that in, in trying to write that, it's a tremendous sort of effort uh, and, and of, of, uh, of um, insight of understanding, not merely of intellection, uh, and uh, costs a great deal of um, self-interrogation, an interrogation of, of, of the depths of one's understanding. He said he'd often go into the sadhana with uh, something unresolved in his reflections, in his writing. And he'd go into the sadhana with this, and uh, when he came out of it, all would be clear. Uh, uh, that is what the, you're asking for in the supplication. Uh, I've experienced this very strongly myself, uh, that um, uh, solutions more to dharma problems than to life problems, but sometimes even that, sort of appear either in the sadhana or somehow after the sadhana. And when I've been writing, often the sadhana has enabled me to understand in a way that I couldn't have done, I couldn't before. Anyway, you, you supplicate in that way, and uh, then the, the image shrinks in front of you, condenses. Bante described it as, as it gets smaller, you, you can uh, dissolve the figure into a ball of light, and then the ball of light sort of condenses. Uh, but... Just like a, you know, it concentrates. That'd be the better term for it. Concentrates, uh, like apple juice or something like that. Do you know what I mean? That um, uh, you you, uh, um, you you squeeze the essence of it out. So it's it's becoming uh, smaller and smaller and smaller, but more and more bright. Uh, so that it's already when when it starts, it's almost overwhelmingly bright. But as it condenses, it, uh, it becomes brighter than uh, a thousand suns. You, you can't, in a way, see it. It's so bright. And uh, that floats very gently towards you, enters the crown of your head, which is uh, in, in uh, all many traditions, most traditions, where higher forces, higher influences uh, come to you. Um, as in the the um, consecration at um, at uh, coronation, so uh, it f floats down down through the medium nerve, median nerve into into the heart, and there it lodges. Ideally, of course, it it stays there until the next time. If you see what I mean, ideally that that is there all the time. And uh, strictly speaking. One shouldn't end the practice in that way unless you can keep something of that. But there's a lot that, strictly speaking, 
Um, but uh, when that enters your heart, well, it's very clear what you've done. You've taken Manjugosha, Manjugosha's mind, Manjugosha as mind, into you. And uh, something happens. Something's precipitated. Something just takes over. I don't know whether everybody or anybody knows what I'm talking about. But uh, if, you, if you're open for it, if you're waiting for it, I can guarantee it will be there. This samadhi ensues, which sort of uh, yeah, enfolds your mind, but is greater than your mind. Um, and that uh, uh, remains for some time, sometimes just a few seconds, sometimes for minutes, sometimes for days, I guess. I don't speak from experience there, but something even endures uh, uh, through the day, even if the full-blown thing isn't there. Uh, so it, it, it's spoken of, isn't it, as... Um, uh, well, it says, having thought of the deity before one as absorbed into oneself or as non-visualized, that's an alternative way you dissolve the figure into shunyata, uh, one should become absorbed in samadhi uh, for as long as it abides in the state of union, yuga nadha, of quiescence and insight brought about by the actuality of the two non-selfhoods uh, the Dvaya and Aratmaya, of personality and of dharmas. I'm not going to go into the technicalities of it. You can, you, you can work those out for yourself. They're fairly uh, straightforward and uh, fit in with the, the general line we've been taking up until now. But one should become absorbed in samadhi. Well, I must say, my experience is that you shouldn't do anything, uh, if you see what I mean. Uh, absorbing, absorbed in samadhi happens um, and uh, if you should it, it it sort of cuts it a bit but I suppose what you should do is provide it space uh, very very important to open up that space and uh, I think in the Manjugosha Stuti Sadhana it's especially important because it's a long sadhana and uh, you're thinking of your breakfast by the time you're getting towards the end. And, uh, uh, and especially if you've got a, a busy day ahead of you, beginning to, you know, your mind is inexorably moving into what's to happen. You've got to try to leave, leave the space because this is the, the payoff. This is what you've done it all for. Uh, this is what it's about. Uh, so I think it's really important to have enough space for the samadhi, I'd say a minimum 10 minutes. Um, if you absolutely have to, five, but any less than that, no. Uh, uh, and not just 10 minutes for the samadhi, but half an hour or so afterwards. Because if, if you're just jumping up from the, 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 the sadhana and rushing into the affairs of everyday existence that already is leaking back into your attitude before the end of the sadhana so you need to have a sense 
the space afterwards so that you can take the space in it. Here speaks long experience. Um, nearly 40 years. Um, so uh, leave that space and uh, perhaps for me it, it, it happened mainly because of Bante. Um, uh, although I haven't always found Bante easy. Uh, I've always known that Bante has something, something I don't have, something that the world needs very badly, uh, and that is, uh, is, for me, unequivocally transcendental. So when I hear Bante say, now just sit, I just sat. Uh, and when Bante said, don't do anything, just let it unfold, I just sat and let it unfold. So perhaps my faith in Bante uh, allowed me to sit in that sort of mood and have faith, therefore, in the, in the framework of the sadhana. But I invite you to have that faith, if you haven't got it already, or to explore that faith. It's not just to do with Bante, it's to do with Jomyon Kensi Rinpoche, it's to do with uh, the whole tradition from which this comes, this whole uh, creative, skillful, creative uh, uh, practice uh, which is not arbitrary. Somebody didn't sit down one day and think, I know what, how should we, etc. It wasn't uh, constructed. It emerged. It's, it's a creation. Perhaps it emerged from Manjukosha's heart uh, as a beam of light uh, with letter syllables pouring down it. It certainly has something of that flavour. Uh, so have faith in that. Uh, and... Uh, when it comes to this point, simply allow whatever happens to happen. Uh, it's the union of, of samatha and vipassana, quiescence and insight, the text says, uh, that is the fulfillment of um, uh, the, 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 the manifestation of the twofold naratmaya. Um Svabhava Shuddha, that's one Naratmaya. Svabhava Shuddha Hung, that's the other Naratmaya. Non-selfhood, the non-selfhood of dharmas, the non-selfhood of persons. So that's fulfilled in this samadhi. For a little while, if uh, you're able to allow absorption to come over you, you sit in non-selfhood. You do. Why? How? Well, I suppose uh, um, this is one of those areas where you just have to shut up that uh, why-seeking mind. You know, the mind that always wants to know and explain. But perhaps it, it, it is useful to have some kind of uh, framework of understanding. Um, the, the, in, the, in the tradition, uh, according to Bante, and I've not looked this up much elsewhere, and I, I don't really deal in this sort of area, but apparently the, the, uh, the sadhana itself belongs to the Kriya Yoga, which is part of the outer tantra. Um, you know, the outer tantra sounds pretty low, but of course it's, it's, it's really very high level of, of practice. Um, but so you're practicing at that level 
uh, you're practicing at a level that's more to do with ritual, to do with uh, uh, symbols and so forth, Kriya, action. Um, but what you get is at the uh, Anuttara Yoga Tantra level. You get something that you don't deserve. Uh, you get something that you haven't worked for. This is the way that the, the, the tradition looks at it. Uh, so you, you put in an effort at this level and something happens at that level. Which, of course, is the whole principle of uh, uh, um, uh, spiral conditionality. Uh, that work goes in at this level and what emerges is something at a higher level. We see that in the spiral path. But uh, the way Bhante uh, has uh, um, spoken of this, not directly in relation to this, but, but uh, in relation to the images in, uh, in sadhana generally, is that they emerge, uh, well, I think the word he used was within the, the dharma niyama. I, I think it's not quite the right uh, preposition there because it implies that the dharma niyama is a location uh, so one mustn't think of it like that. But perhaps the best thing to say would be that when dharma niyama conditionality begins to flow, uh, when the dharma shrota uh, begins to flow, the stream of dharma begins to flow, then these images arise. These images arise which em embody, express the reality of that dimension of, of consciousness. Um, so the, the, uh, the, the kind of conditionality that is governing what happens when you're practicing at this level is no longer merely karma. That's what Bhante is essentially saying. That's what the tradition is saying. That um, these are my own words, but I think they're faithful to what I've learned. Uh, the, the, what happens is out of proportion to uh, 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 what you do. Uh, what you get out is more than what you put in. Um, and that happens uh, in accordance with spiral conditionality at the dharma uh, niyama, of the dharma, dharma niyama kind. Because, of course, the karma niyama has a spiral-like dimension to it too. But um, this is uh, the dharma niyama processes, processes that have got nothing to do with you, or me for that matter, nothing to do with us. Um, uh, that's the point. We've got to the point where karma is useless. <laughs> karma is left behind. We've, uh, we've launched ourselves upon the winds of the Dharma. And uh, uh, the winds of the Dharma blow us um, where they list. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, in, in the, in the, in the, um, the, the, the dynamics, the spiritual dynamics of this, of this practice, they, they waft us into a samadhi. Uh, a samadhi that... Uh, is more than we deserve. So, I hope you know what I'm talking about.
I hope you at least know what I mean that you have to do. Um, I hope they at least give you some uh, inkling of faith in what can happen if it hasn't already been experienced by you. And uh, I suspect if you haven't experienced it, because you haven't looked for it, because you haven't known where to look. I was sort of told where to look just by Bante, by the Bante-ness of Bante, and then by his uh, sort of very, very sketchy instructions. Uh, but, uh, well, I've, I've passed on to you uh, uh, what I learnt, and if you haven't already got it, uh, put that into practice. Leave the space. Uh, yeah, your, your mind inevitably, well, depends what your mind is like, my mind inevitably starts to try to get to grips with what's going on and so forth. Just relax. Let it go. Don't, don't bother with it. And uh, uh, l l let that samadhi, that something, sort of take you over. Uh, and I, I can sort of speak quite confidently. If you have done the sadhana and done it in the way that we've been describing, as near as you can, as much as you can, this samadhi will happen. And let it endure for as long as you can. When it starts to go down, you start to drift, and your mind does turn to muesli and such items, or more likely, you know, what you've got to do next, then, okay, finish the practice properly, as we'll see tomorrow. It's important how you come out as well. But uh, if you want to experience this samadhi, and you'd be a damn fool if you didn't want to experience it, um, not to put too fine a point upon it, <laughs> um, uh, leave the space, and leave the space after, so that your mind is, is insulated from the day as much as you can. Ring fence that time, uh, because otherwise it'll pull you out and you'll miss it. It'll be so instantaneous uh, that you won't see it. So leave the space for it. Because that samadhi is uh, really what is going to do the work. You remember in the... In the uh, in the uh, dedication at the end, um, uh, not risk quoting, through the Vajra-like samadhi, having abandoned completely the kleshas, contrived and inborn, may I make an end of the nyaya obscura obscuration with all its parts and gain the wisdom of the sugatas. That's the Vajra-like samadhi. Uh, that Vajra-like Samadhi, if you have uh, constant reference to it, if you allow it to unfold within you uh, day by day, give it the space and the time, will gradually transform you. Not that you don't have to do other work, but that Samadhi itself is sort of shaking the harsh structure of your being apart. It's, it's, uh, it's destroying the kleshas. It's destroying the nyeyavarana, the veil of illusions. Um, and it's, uh, it's carrying you uh, to the status of a sugata, of a Buddha. So, 
The whole practice, in a sense, leads up to this samadhi, this vajra-like samadhi, which is its greatest gift, which you get for nothing. And uh, which all you have to do is give it space and set up the conditions. Then it will flower. And uh, if it flowers uh, in you, if it flowers in me, if it flowers amongst us, it will really uh, transform our order and it will uh, therefore help us to transform the world. Thank you.